Hello, you're listening to the Agricultural Economics Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Foster, Professor of Agricultural Economics at Purdue University. And today we have as our guest, the new department head, I guess new, he's been uh, for about one and a half months, department head of Agricultural Economics at Purdue, Jason Lusk, Dr. Jason Lusk. Jason, how are you this morning? Ken, it's great to be here. And and since you left the department in good hands, it's even better to be here. Yeah, I don't, be careful. There's probably something out there that uh, (laughs) you're going to discover later. And you're going to be cursing me. So, not too much praise. Hey, we've had a, a crazy summer here at Purdue. We've got one week of fall classes done, but man, it was like an archaeological dig out in front of the Cranert building all summer. If you haven't been to the Purdue campus lately, you should think about paying us a visit here uh, this fall and see all the new construction on State Street beautification, uh, open to bicycles, pedestrians. It's really a neat environment. And this is the kind of thing that Jason jumped right into. So Jason, give us a little story of your background, how you ended up here at Purdue as a department head. Sure. So this is actually my second time at Purdue. So I spent a little bit of time here, but I'll, I'll start at the beginning. I am a Texas native and I grew up in the Texas Panhandle. Got my undergraduate degree in food technology and food science. After working a a few summers in food processing plants, I I thought I might wanna do something a little different. Took a class in agricultural economics and loved it. Thought it was fantastic. Ended up going to graduate school at Kansas State, getting a PhD there, and and then I spent a few years on faculty at Mississippi State and then here at Purdue. Uh, The opportunity came open to uh, take an endowed chair at Oklahoma State, so I moved there and been there for about 13 years and had the good fortune to be able to come back here to Purdue. Most of my academic career has been spent doing graduate student teaching and advising and research, and most of my research program has revolved around the questions of, of what do people eat and why do they eat it? And trying to understand what motivates people's purchasing habits, why maybe they tell you they're gonna do one thing on a survey and they do something else in the grocery store. And taking those estimates of what people want to also help us understand a little bit about how food policies may affect uh, consumer and farmer well-being. That, those sort of questions have been really the focus of most of my research. And now you get to apply all that behavioral economics knowledge to managing people. That that should be good. You're going to be great at that job. I know you will. So uh, I I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but any changes, any new ideas, initiatives, and things like that in the department that you see on the horizon as uh, department head? Well, we're going to have a lot of change in the future. If for no other reason, we've had a lot of retirements and departures and unfortunately uh, some deaths. So compared to about a year ago, we're down about 10 faculty. So one one reason that's important to know for folks listening is if you're wondering, where are those folks in Ag Econ that are normally here? <laughs> they may not be here anymore. So please bear with us over the next few years as we're adding back some faculty and capacity. So we actually, we're looking for four new positions right now. It could be five or six, depending on how things shake out. And I suspect next year we'll have some similar opportunities. And so, you know, those those positions are going to be in a variety of different areas. But I think from my perspective, trying to help build back some of the strengths in what has been the historical focus and strength of this department. And I think a lot of that has been around commercial agriculture, production agriculture, policy issues, and also in agribusiness. Those are areas of strength in the department. And they're areas of historical strength. And they're areas that if we don't, you know, make some strategic investments in, we're not gonna be the go-to schools in those areas anymore. Our field is also expanding. There's a lot of interest in things like environment and health and sustainability. We, we have to be able to meet those demands as well, but I think we can do that, sort of branch out, 
build some bridges to those emerging areas while staying true to our historical interests and focus. Sounds great. Um, have you had a chance to interact with any of our students since you've been back? I have. In fact, uh, just last night I was out of town and I ran into a student who uh, talked to me when I interviewed oh, last fall nice. and she said, I remember you. And uh, we had a fantastic discussion there. So yes, and I got to meet uh, all of our incoming graduate students. There was about 20 or so students that were in the room. They, they were from all over the world, from Afghanistan to places in Africa, to Texans, to people from Indiana. And so just a fantastic, diverse group of people. And, and I've had a little bit of chance to interact with them. And then of course, we, we have over a hundred undergrad students showing up new for the first time in the department. So I've, I've got to shake a few hands there. It'll take me a while to get there to know, know their names and know how, uh, where they're coming from. Eager, eager minds. I remember I would always meet some seniors around graduation time that I hadn't met. They'd been here for four years and I hadn't met them. And I always just said, well, that's probably a good thing that you didn't meet <laughs> right. the department head. But, uh, yeah, and that grad program, I love the diversity in that grad program. I remember when I was grad program director um, years ago that we would count up every year how many different countries and how many mm -hmm. different states were represented in the grad program. It was typically about 25 to 30 different countries, 25 to 30 different states. Mm -hmm. um, and so just an incredible diversity. Stimulate the professors and each other to think you know, more broadly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, I agree. It, for me, actually, when I was a graduate student years ago, that was one of the neatest things was just getting to meet people from places in the world that I would have never thought that I would know people from. <laughs> I always think it's fun for me too, you know, that as I've, you know, even over the last month and a half, getting to meet alumni of our department, you know, they're kind of important people now are doing great things. And to think, these people that are showing up on campus, they're nervous, they're a little awkward, they don't know what they're doing to think, you know, one of these people could be the CEO of, of a company one day. Yeah, Undersecretary of Agriculture. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to name one. So I, I, always, I always try to keep that in the back of my mind to think, you know, these, this person who seem, seem a little nervous and unsure of themselves may, in fact, you know, be one of these graduates that, you that bet. really you are, bet. yeah. Yeah, no, fantastic. So uh, let me just uh, quickly change gears maybe and ask you another question um, related to your research been reading in the newspaper all about this uh, acquisition of Whole Foods by Amazon. What do you think of that as a, as a person who studied food demand and the economics of the food industry? Yeah, that, that was a really interesting move. And from what I can tell, most people are trying to figure out there's a lot of speculation as to why that happened, trying to read the tea leaves, um, because the folks at Amazon have been a little bit tight-lipped about what they were thinking and doing that. So I think one point of view is that Amazon was getting a little bit into the food space and there's sort of the emergence of these meal delivery services and perhaps they saw Whole Foods as a mechanism to enter that space in a, in a bigger way and bring some of their efficiencies on the supply chain side and, and maybe make some of those Whole Foods prices a little more cost competitive. So I think that's one line of thinking. There's probably some truth to that. The other line of thinking is that maybe Amazon thought Whole Foods had some assets that they wanted to acquire. One of those being some relatively well-off consumers with some store locations and some prime spots. And maybe that's what they're trying to buy access to is a group of consumers that have some strong purchasing power. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know, I'm just speculating here, but perhaps, you know, they're thinking these are some folks, maybe we can deliver some of our products to in store or do some things like that. You know, it's not really clear to me, but, you know, I think from a 
consumer's perspective, the hope is, you know, maybe Amazon will, will, will help with that pricing that That'd we, we great, sometimes at Whole yeah. Foods, yeah. Because <laughs> Whole Foods has some great variety, but, uh, you know, they have the nickname of Whole Paycheck that's partly deserved. Um, so I think if, if Amazon can help bring those prices down and then expand those offerings to people that are, you know, not in those relatively well-off city centers, I think it'd be a, a, a real great thing for consumers. Right. And in this day and age of data analytics and capacity to analyze data, the ability to pair my purchase patterns at Whole Foods with my Alexa behavior at home and, you know, everything that that Alexa might know about me, seems like it's got some potential to mine this behavioral aspects that you were talking about before. Why do we why do we say one thing and do something else? It does. I mean, in one way, it's a little bit scary. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Amazon makes recommendations to me sometimes I would have never thought of because I bought this book and I maybe bought this piece of software or something. It is frightening, but sometimes they're frighteningly accurate. I think, oh, yeah. I would have never thought about that. You looks bet. great, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy you that bet. book. But yeah, I think, you know, on the research front, though, I, I agree. And, and um, you know, we've got new faculty in this department, you know, looking at things like social media engagements. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think trying to understand Dan, what's happening there can give us a better handle on what consumers are wanting. And that information is useful. I think it, it, it's sort of indirect, but trickling back down to the farm too and, and helping provide maybe some leading indicators of what the trends are going to be so that we can get information to producers. And sometimes it's the controversial issues too. You know, what are the sort of controversies and, that may be driving policy that we need to be thinking about? And so those, those data are really rich and they can give us insights that we never had before. You bet, and, and opportunities to train students to do those things when they go out in industry or at least interpret those things. And I'll never forget, you mentioned one of these people that we hired in the last few years um, and making those hiring decisions. Um, I walked into class in the middle of that process and uh, the students were talking about this case where Target had been sending solicitations for products for someone who's pregnant to this young lady, and the parents were really upset. And it turns out that Target knew that she was pregnant before her parents knew that she was pregnant. Right. And I thought, you know, the students were just alive with that discussion about how do they do that. And, and I'm like, okay, I know who I need to hire here. I need to hire <laughs> the person who knows how Target did that so they can teach our students. But um, fantastic. Well, Jason, it's been great talking to you. I uh, wish you all the best of luck as department head. We're just thrilled to have you here. We know you're going to do a great job and, and lead us to uh, higher heights of, <laughs> of excellence as a department. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Uh, I'm excited to be here. And uh, for listeners out there who want to reach out, it's easy to find my phone number and email. So I'd love to hear from you. And, and I'm happy to be here at Purdue. There you go. There's the invitation, folks. Uh, uh, you've been listening to the Agricultural Economics Podcast at Purdue's Agricultural Economics Department. Like us on Facebook, visit us on the web at www.agecon.purdue.edu. Thank you very much.